well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I am glad that you've joined me on the program today. Uh, it is uh, April 1st, but no fooling about these uh, gun control bills that we're going to be talking about in the uh, state of Illinois and the state of Delaware. While, you know, Congress, uh, the House has passed a couple of gun control bills. Looks like they are uh, tied up right now in the Senate. Doesn't even look like they can get 50 votes at the moment with uh, Joe Manchin saying he's opposed to uh, the background check bills as they were passed out of the House. Democrats at the state level are uh, doing what they can to advance their anti-gun agenda. And they've got some downright awful bills uh, in uh, a number of states. We're going to focus again on Illinois and Delaware today. Uh, In Illinois, a a bill has been introduced with the ironic title of the Fix the Foid Act. Now, in Illinois, if if you're not an Illinois gun owner, you don't know this. or Well, you may not know this, but uh, in order to legally possess a firearm in the state of Illinois, you have to possess what's called a firearm owner identification card that is issued by the state police. You have to submit an application. You go through a background check. You get your card that says, okay, you you can own a gun. Uh, and then every time you go and buy a gun, you got to go through another background check. It's 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 a completely redundant system. Uh, it obviously has no impact on violent criminals whatsoever because they're not paying attention to this law. They don't care. So this is a law that is aimed specifically at legal gun owners. And right now in Illinois, there's a problem. The Illinois State Police cannot process the FOID applications in a timely manner. Uh, they're actually facing a lawsuit. They're facing multiple lawsuits over the delays in issuing FOID cards and concealed carry licenses. So you might think the Fix the FOID Act is designed to, you know, fix the problem. No, quite the opposite. Uh, State Senator Ram Villavalam has a bill called Senate Bill 568 that would uh, do a number of things. It wouldn't fix the FOID system. It would uh, double the cost of receiving a FOID card to uh, $20. It would cut the expiration date in half. Right now, they're good for 10 years. It would only be good for five years. You would have to submit your fingerprints to the Illinois State Police in order to possess a firearm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say that um, the increased fees would go to, quote, mental health services and another fund that would pay for increased operations within the Illinois State Police to enforce the FOID system. So here's the problem. Well, here's the first problem. Lawmakers like Villa Valam have actually raided the state fund that is supposed to fund things like, you know, running the background checks on the FOID system to the tune of $30 million over the past few years. Lawmakers have said, "Eh, we're going to take that money out of here. We're going to put it over here instead. And now there's a shortfall. Now the Illinois State Police don't have the staffing to actually conduct these uh, background checks in a timely manner, as required by state law. And Villa Valam and his fellow Democrats, there are 24 co-sponsors of this bill, by the way, all of them Democrats in the state Senate. Now they, they, they want to make gun owners pay more. After they raided these funds and took cash out, they want gun owners to make up the difference. He says, uh, this would ensure we're giving Illinois State Police the ability to take the guns of folks who shouldn't have them uh, and make sure that we're getting funding, life-saving funding, mental health funding to the communities that have been most impacted by gun violence. No, no, this would not do any of that, uh, unfortunately. Uh, when it comes to mental health, by the way, in Illinois, 
you know, Democrats in control of the state government and control of uh, Chicago city government, the biggest city in the state of Illinois, they're the ones responsible for the mental health crisis that currently exists in the state of Illinois. Rahm Emanuel, when he was mayor, closed half of Chicago's mental health clinics, half of them. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot said, well, we're going to we're going to restore that funding. We're going to bring those uh, those clinics back. She hasn't done it. Hasn't done it. Supposedly, there are uh, you know some grants that are coming to the city of Chicago that may allow some of these clinics to reopen. But uh, I'll believe it when I see it. And again, this is an issue that is critically important for every Illinois resident, not just for gun owners. So why on earth should gun owners be the ones to have to bear the burden of trying to fix the system that Democrats broke in the first place? Now, I said that's a problem with Senate Bill 568. There's another bigger problem. Uh, Another change in this legislation would require that any change in ownership of a firearm be conducted through a licensed gun dealer. So basically universal background checks, including inheriting firearms from a deceased family member, or if two individuals who possess FOID cards decide that they want to, you know, loan a firearm to one another, you would not be allowed to do so unless you went through a background check. Uh, Todd Vandermeid is the executive director of the Federal Firearms Licensees of Illinois. And he says, I think there are going to be a lot of dealers that just aren't going to do it. He says the real burden is going to fall on the individual to be able to find a place. And there are no gun stores in Chicago. So if you're a Chicago gun owner, you want to loan a gun to your friend, you want to sell a gun to your friend, you're going to have to travel outside of the city to find a gun store that will actually agree to do that transfer. Otherwise, you're going to be committing a crime. This isn't, again, this isn't a public safety measure. This is the creation of a new nonviolent possessory firearm offense. This is putting more crimes on the book aimed squarely at legal gun owners as opposed to the violent criminals that are actually the problem in the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois. So again, this is the Fix the FOID Act uh, in the state of Illinois, which would not fix the FOID problems, would only make them worse. The uh, only hope for relief right now, frankly, in uh, Illinois, because I have... uh, no doubt that the anti-gun Democrats in charge of the legislature uh, will will uh, give this bill its approval. The only recourse right now, there are some court cases, as I mentioned, several court challenges, both in state court and in federal court. In fact, there's a case right now before the Illinois State Supreme Court on the constitutionality of the FOID card system entirely. Given the fact that the state of Illinois is right now wait, making applicants wait months on end in order to exercise their right to keep arms in their home because they're not processing these FOIA card applications in a timely manner. My hope, but not my expectation, my hope is that the Illinois State Supreme Court says this is ridiculous. You're you're actually denying people their Second Amendment rights because you're not complying with the statutes. So we're going to make this system go away. I hope that's what happens. But again, my expectations are not particularly high. Uh, In federal court, we've got challenges, again, to the uh, FOID card delays, to the concealed carry delays, uh, but those cases are in the uh, very early stages. So uh, I I hope, again, that they're successful. I think they're good lawsuits, but uh, they're they're not necessarily something that offers uh, imminent relief uh, for gun owners in the state of Illinois. Meanwhile, in Delaware, there are a pair of bills that are being fast-tracked. They were introduced earlier this week. They got their first committee hearing. They got out of committee. Now they're on the Senate floor. 
So Democrats are moving very, very quickly on these bills. And these are really, really bad pieces of legislation. Senate Bill 3 would impose a permit to purchase requirement. So again, similar, very, very similar to a FOID card. Uh, except it applies only to handguns, not to long guns. But if you want to buy a handgun in Delaware and Senate Bill 3 were the law, you would have to go and fill out an application and uh, pay for fingerprinting. Uh, because again, fingerprinting requirements for everybody who would exercise their Second Amendment rights. Yeah. And then the state would have 30 days to process that application. And the state would reach out to local law enforcement and say, hey, you know, uh, Cam's trying to buy a gun. Any reason why Cam shouldn't be able to do so? You know, he's not a convicted felon. He's not been adjudicated as mentally defective. There's there's no statutory prohibition. But uh, any reason why you don't think that Cam should be able to buy a gun? And if your local police department says, yeah, I, I don't think anybody should be able to buy a gun, that might be good enough reason to deny you your ability to purchase a handgun. Or maybe, you know, Cam, he's one of those Second Amendment gun nuts. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of worried about uh, those Second Amendment gun nuts. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think we should probably hold off on letting Cam get that uh, permit to purchase. These laws are on the books in a handful of states. And, and quite frankly, they are a remnant of the Jim Crow era where law enforcement was given broad discretion and authority to decide who was suitable to own a handgun. And as you can imagine, uh, there are a lot of folks uh, who are perfectly suitable to own a handgun who were denied the ability to do so because of either the anti-gun attitudes of law enforcement or even the uh, discriminatory attitudes of law enforcement. Delaware, Democrats in Delaware, let me be very specific here, Democrats in Delaware, want to take the state backwards by putting a permit-to-purchase requirement on the books. Not only that, Senate Bill 6 would impose a magazine ban in the state of Delaware. Uh, No magazines with a capacity of greater than 17 rounds would be uh, allowed, would be legal to possess in the state. So if you currently own 20-round magazines, 30-round magazines, you would not be allowed to continue to possess them under Senate Bill 6, by uh, January the, excuse me, June 30th of next year, June 30th, 2022, those who possess a prohibited large-capacity magazine would have to, quote, relinquish the large-capacity magazine to a law enforcement agency in the state. The uh, act establishes a, quote, buyback program or a compensated confiscation program for these magazines that would be overseen by the uh, Delaware Department of Safety and Homeland Security. If you were caught with a magazine that you legally own right now, after June 30th of 2022, first offense would be a misdemeanor. Second offense would be a felony. And again, we've got Democrats here who are complaining about the need to reimagine policing, the need to reform the criminal justice system. At the same time, they want to put new Nonviolent possessory offenses on the books, criminalizing the possession of some of the most commonly owned magazines in the country. The National Shooting Sports Foundation estimates that there are more than 80 million magazines in the United States with a capacity of more than 30 rounds. So obviously, the number of uh, magazines in the possession of legal gun owners that have a capacity of more than 17 rounds 
far greater than 80 million. These are in common use. But here's the thing. Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, which uh, covers the state of Delaware, they have already ruled that uh, the state of Maryland's ban on quote-unquote large capacity magazines does not violate the Second Amendment. Meanwhile, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, a three-judge panel, ruled last year that uh, California's ban does violate the Second Amendment. The Ninth Circuit is reconsidering that decision in an en banc review. Uh, and this decision, uh, I think, is ultimately going to lead to um, one of these cases getting up before the Supreme Court. Hopefully, the court would act on these attempts to, again, ban the continued possession of some of the most commonly owned ammunition magazines in the country. But we could be waiting several months for that to happen. Uh, the uh, Ninth Circuit on uh, banc review, um, uh, the decision has not yet been released. And uh, Ninth Circuit could sit on that for quite a while. They, they sat on the decision in Young versus Hawaii for quite a while. So it's not like we could expect that decision to be imminent. I do think that uh, if these bills pass in Delaware, they will be challenged in court. But again, the Fourth Circuit has already said that Maryland's ban, which was Maryland's ban did have a grandfather clause. So it is different from the Delaware bill in that if you already possessed, quote unquote, high capacity magazines in Maryland, you could continue to possess them, but you can't buy any new ones. Maryland also defines high capacity magazine as anything over 10 rounds. This bill in Delaware defines high capacity magazines as anything over 17 rounds, which, by the way, demonstrates that the phrase high capacity magazine is completely meaningless. Completely meaningless. Just like there are different definitions for, quote unquote, assault weapon, right? The California definition is different than the New York definition, which was different than the 94 federal definition, because the real definition of assault weapon is gun I want to ban. And the real definition of a high capacity magazine is a magazine I want to ban. It is a phrase of art, uh, not an actual specific uh, definition. Now, again, both of these, uh, all three of these bills, the uh, Illinois bill uh, and the two Delaware bills, they are getting a lot of attention and they are getting action. Um, and they would not do anything to reduce violent crime in either state. Delaware's attorney general uh, testified in uh, support of these two bills yesterday. Uh, Kathy Jennings said that, uh, quote, permit to purchase laws are one of several basic gun safety policies. You can call it gun safety, General. It's gun control. Supported by a significant majority of Delawareans, including many gun owners who recognize that the status quo, a gun violence epidemic without parallel in the developed world is simply unacceptable. In spite of that clear majority, she says, it is no secret to me or you that a passionate minority of the public opposes this bill and for some oppose any gun safety laws. James went on to say that the argument that criminals don't obey the law are irrelevant when their goals become that much more difficult to accomplish with everybody else abiding by the law. Well, that doesn't happen. You can, ca you know, we talked about this on yesterday's program with Ryan Petty, this new Secret Service report about how to prevent school shootings. And the number one way to prevent school shootings, according to the uh, Secret Service, pay attention. All of us paying attention to what's going on because 94% 
of school shooters told somebody about their plans. Now, when it comes to the idea of casting a wide net over everybody with the expectation that, aha, we're going to catch a couple of criminals too. It'll make it that much harder for criminals. We know that this doesn't work. We know that this doesn't work. You know, it is illegal for anybody to possess methamphetamine. Not only in Delaware, but the other 50, uh, 49 states. It's illegal to possess heroin. It's illegal to possess fentanyl in the state of Delaware. Right? You got that wide net, cast it over everybody. Delaware had over 400 drug overdose deaths last year. Which, by the way, far outpaced the number of homicides in the state of Delaware. More than 400 drug overdose deaths in the state of Delaware. These are drugs, again, that are illegal for everybody to own, but criminals continue to get access to them. And the same will be true of any gun control bill that is directed at legal gun owners. What we really need to do, what Delaware Democrats really need to do, if they're honest to God serious about tackling violent crime as opposed to trying to reduce legal gun ownership, is focus like a laser on those violent offenders with targeted deterrence programs. Programs that both involve law enforcement, highlighting the most violent offenders, referring them to federal prosecution, not giving them plea deals time and time again, and more community-based approaches that deal with de-escalation, that deal with uh, intervention, uh, that deal with trying to get individuals out of a gang lifestyle and into a more productive uh, avenue uh, to live their life. Those programs work. Those programs are effective, again, because they target the folks who are actually causing the problems and driving the violence. But Delaware Democrats are looking in the complete opposite direction. And they're claiming to do so in the name of, quote, gun safety. Again, their idea of gun safety, just like, a, just like their definition of assault weapon is gonna want to ban. Their definition of high-capacity magazine is magazine I want to ban. Their definition of gun safety is don't own a gun. Not education, not training. No, don't own a gun. That is what they're trying to do, to reduce legal gun ownership with the idea that there'll be some sort of trickle-down effect on violent criminals. Doesn't work that way. We know this. The war on drugs has proven you can ban something, but you don't get rid of it. All you do is create a black market for that product. And if uh, Delaware Democrats ban the possession of magazines that have more than uh, 17 rounds of a capacity, they will create a black market for those items. And it's not like, by the way, criminals in Delaware would have to drive to Philadelphia or, uh, you know, uh, Virginia or West Virginia to go purchase these magazines. No. A 3D printer. It costs a couple hundred bucks. And, uh, you know, some polymer thread that costs even less than that and a metal spring. And guess what? They can build their own, quote unquote, large capacity magazines. They don't even have to leave the state of Delaware to manufacture their own. This is what I talk about when I say that supply side gun controls inevitably will fail. Inevitably. We live in a country, first of all, that protects an individual right to keep and bear arms. We live in a nation in which there are more than 500 million privately owned firearms in the hands of law-abiding citizens. The supply is there. 
right? Criminals can get those guns through the black market. They can steal them. They can run their trucks into or stolen trucks into gun stores, do smash and grab robberies. Demand side control. I don't even want to call it controls. Demand side policies. Policies that are aimed at reducing the demand for firearms among those who would misuse them are successful. Because again, they're targeting the individuals who would misuse firearms for their own criminal purposes. If you're really interested in reducing violence, that's where you go. If you're interested in reducing legal gun ownership, if you're interested in turning the Second Amendment from a right into a privilege, you do what Delaware and Illinois Democrats are trying to do right now. So if you are a uh, gun owner or even a Second Amendment supporter in those states, please contact your state senators. Contact your uh, state reps as well. These are both uh, all three bills we talked about are Senate bills. They've not cleared the Senate yet, but in Delaware in particular, uh, they could be over in the House as early as Friday. So your lawmakers need to hear from you, and you need to tell them that this isn't going to help reduce violent crime. Targeting legal gun owners instead of violent criminals is the wrong way to go. And if they're actually serious about improving the lives and safety of good people in bad neighborhoods, well, they will empower those folks to exercise their Second Amendment rights instead of trying to criminalize what they, uh, what they would like to do to keep and bear arms in self-defense. All right, let's turn our attention now to our uh, armed citizen story, our recidivist report, our good deed of the day. We'll start with our recidivist report here from uh, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Three get probation in 2019 robbery spree. Yep. Democrats in Missouri, by the way, they complain all the time. We need more gun control laws in Missouri. It's a constitutional carry state. It's too easy for people to get guns. And what happens? When somebody actually gets caught using a firearm in the commission of a crime, put out your wrist. Don't do that again. Clayton, Missouri, last of three men who held up two gas stations in a bodega at gunpoint in 2019, pleaded guilty on Wednesday and received probation. 21-year-old uh, Tiga Akushi pleaded guilty to three counts of attempted robbery, reduced down from first-degree robbery. Prosecutors dismissed three counts of armed criminal action. Uh, Circuit Judge Joseph Walsh accepted his guilty pleas and prosecutors' recommendation of a suspended sentence and probation that mandates 60 hours of community service. And oh yeah, by the way, a prohibition on owning guns. Yeah, I'm sure he'll abide by that. Uh, uh, He admitted driving uh, Richard Max Zimmerman and Zadi Hervey in the spree of robberies on January 1st, 2019, Harvey and Zimmerman entered stores wearing hooded sweatshirts. Zimmerman pointed a gun at clerks. Harvey pointed a gun at customers. They took cash. They took lottery tickets. They took cigarillos, cash, and beer in the holdups. The owner of the uh, In-N-Out Market said one of the robbers uh, said he was 19, repeatedly said he was sorry, and that he didn't want to do this. But he kept doing it. Now, Harvey and Zimmerman pleaded guilty last month. And the judge gave Hervey five years of probation. and said, if you violate that probation, you could get 13 years in prison. Could. Zimmerman got five years of probation with a potential 20-year prison sentence if he violates probation. So all three of these individuals using a firearm in the commission of a violent crime 
and not one of them is going to prison as a result. Don't tell me we need more gun control laws on the books when we're taking violent offenders and returning them to the streets instead of putting them behind bars. All right, today's uh, armed citizen story from uh, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago uh, Sun-Times reporting an off-duty Chicago police officer shooting a man uh, breaking into his home in uh, Albany Park. This was uh, early Wednesday morning. Chicago Sun-Times reports the officer shot the man in the face about 12.55 a.m. as the man broke into the officer's home in the 3100 block of Belle Plaine Avenue. The uh, man rushed to a local hospital, uh, at last report, in a serious condition. Uh, local police are uh, investigating. We don't have a lot of details here. Uh, but um, sounds like this was a justified self-defense shooting, given that the guy was trying to break into a home there in the middle of the night. And uh, finally today, our good deed of the day, Altus, Oklahoma, where a, a police officer in the right place at the right time wasn't able to do the right thing to get people out of a burning home. Police Lieutenant Chris Barngrover was on routine patrol Monday mornings about 1230. He noticed a house on fire. He got out of his vehicle, ran up to the home, started pounding on the door, alerted the homeowners. They were completely unaware that their house was on fire at that point. Uh, the homeowners were able to escape injury. Unfortunately, the family's cats uh, perished in the blaze. Tim Murphy is the police chief in Alta, says the heroic actions of Lieutenant Chris Barngrover made me proud to lead a group of dedicated men and women at the Altus Police Department who truly care about our citizens and our community. So again, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, uh, Lieutenant Chris Barngrover, we thank you, sir, for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, a uh, reminder, we will be off tomorrow. We will be back on Monday with uh, more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. But don't forget, BearingArms.com. We'll be updating the website all day Friday, throughout the weekend as well, with the latest Second Amendment news. And there is a lot of it coming down the pike, both at the federal level and then, as we talked about today, uh, at the state level as well. We've got some good news. Uh, you know, we've got uh, constitutional carry on the desk of Governor Bill Lee in Tennessee. We've got bad news, like the gun control bills in Illinois and Delaware. But if you want to keep track of everything that's going on, just visit BarryAndArms.com. Don't forget as well, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you will never miss one of these programs. Or if you uh, watch on Rumble.com, just uh, subscribe to Barry and Arms, Cam and Company. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TownHall.com podcast page. You can find us there as well. Just look up Bearing Arms cam and company i hope that you have a great weekend and until we talk again be well be safe and be free